On the Master Builders podcast today, very fortunate to be joined by Warwick Quing from BCITO. Warwick, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Good to be here. Yes. Now, uh, crazy, unprecedented times that we find ourselves in uh, work at the moment. And I might just uh, give some context for our audience that we're recording this on the 20th of April. We're a couple of hours away from the announcement from the government as to whether we're moving out of lockdown. So uh, some of the answers here, were, uh, well, certainly our answers are based on that context that we know right now is still being in, in level four. Uh, but let's find out what's uh, lockdown been like for you. Uh, first question for you, Warwick, what's been your favourite meal? So we went vegan about six months ago. Right. And uh, oh, I've never never been vegan in my life. So roast lamb. <laughs> so we, we have... <laughs> We have a um, we have a, a Zoom dinner co- you know dinner meeting yes. every Saturday with a bunch of mates and I'm back on the roast. Good job, good job. I I um I term that being flexitarian. Oh, which, good uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I do. You know, uh, uh, yeah. ve- vegan when it suits and uh, an absolute carnivore when it suits as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Nice. And uh, lockdown, it's presented some challenge for us around both our physical health and our mental wealth. What have, what have you been doing to keep those two uh, in good sort of good order? Yeah, so I'm pretending I'm out here, right? And I've got a net in the backyard practicing my golf. Uh, dug up half the lawn. I've got divots all over the show. Uh, go out for a walk every lunchtime. You know, it's supposed to be within 1K of your, well, yeah, mm-hmm. stretching in a bit. Mm-hmm. And I've got a bit of a home gym set up in this room here, but you can't see because I've got right. the, uh, right. I've got some 18th green and fairway in front of me. But yeah, not bad. It's the front's not too bad. Good job. Well, well done. And BCITO, you guys are a learning organisation. You're out there helping a lot of your employers and your trainees trainees learn. But for your work, have you learned anything new while you've been in lockdown? Oh, I'm late. I'm over Zoom. Uh, I've got a tiny screen and my eyes are square, but it is a great way to connect. You know, um, I don't know what this would have been like a decade ago. Impossible. You know, even during the GFC, we didn't have this kind of technology, you know, as smooth as it was. So it's been a godsend in one respect, but I don't think it's permanent, although it will replace a lot of meetings and bits and pieces. But um, it's you can't beat that face to face when you finally get around and, you know, have that physical contact. Mm. Or you've had a uh, extensive career yourself. You've worked for uh, other membership organisations like Master Builders and Motor Trade Association. You've worked in government. Tell us, is this is this the most challenging time you've you've faced? Um, yes and no. Uh, the circumstances uh, in which this kind of next recession hits is different. They're all different. This is about my fifth recessive uh, rodeo, if you like, since '87, '97 mm. with the. Asian crisis, 2008 with the GFC, you know, the Christchurch earthquakes, and now this. And whilst the circumstances are always different, the property market always reacts pretty much the same. And so I think we can predict with some certainty what we think people's behaviours will be. And based on that, we can do stuff uh, to respond to that. And what I hope we don't do is do what we've always done and basically done nothing and left, left the market to fend for itself. And I'm particularly interested, you know, in the training space in that regard, because if we leave it, it's very brutal. We lay off trainees and apprentices because there simply isn't the work. Uh, and then they're the first to go and they're always the last to come back because firms need that confidence in the forward work in order to invest in training. Again, that takes another year, 18 months, once a recovery happens. And then of course, we're all screaming for them because we haven't had them. So 
we need to keep that capability in the system somehow uh, so that we don't end up in that same position in 18 months or whatever the time frame is. So we need to bridge this gap because we won't have things like immigration to fall back on, uh, which we've done in the past because our borders are likely to be locked down for some time. So, so that's, I think, is kind of how it will need to be looked at over the next uh, little while. And uh, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. I'm out there. I'm a construction company owner. Um, I've maybe had some jobs deferred. Uh, I've got less work than I was anticipating. I have got the apprentice working for me at the moment and I'm going, oh, should I, shouldn't let him or her go? Uh, what, what guidance would you give me as a construction company owner at the moment? Yeah, so firms have to do the right thing for their firm, right? The survival of their firm is number one. No firm, no apprentice anyway. So I think, uh, you know, as 80%, we've got 13,000 plus uh, apprentices in our system at the moment that BCITO has. 80% of those are in residential. So it's the residential market that is going to affect apprenticeships by a long way. Uh, and that's the market that's likely to be most affected because it's relying on the confidence of, you know, the homeowner to invest. Either it's off plans or it's getting a mortgage or whatever it is. And we know that that will be weak uh, over the next 12 to 18 months. All of the economists are saying it but there's some disagreement on when the recovery will be. So it's likely to be affected and we are likely to see apprenticeships laid off. That's just the nature of what it is. So I think we have to say, well, okay, we've got to swallow that pill. Firms need to shrink in order to respond to whatever's in front of them. But rather than lose the apprentice to the ether, we need to keep a connection with them. And what we're promoting is that rather than lay the apprentice off, do something like give them a year's leave without pay. And what we're wanting government to do is say, well, look, rather than let, let you go on the dole, uh, we want to be able to work with you to allow you to do some on-job learning if there's enough work or some off-job learning through the NZIST or some other mechanism and maybe a mix of both or supplement that with uh, ongoing support from say you know the ITO even digital learning so these people are likely be to become MSD clients anyway so if we're able to support them so that they continue to learn during that environment either with some further support it might be financial it might be something else they don't become neats you know not on education employment or training they keep that relationship with their firm even though they're not working for them yet so that when that firm recovers they can get them back because from a training perspective we know as soon as an apprentice changes firms, the chances of completing that qualification drop by 50%. And so it continues to drop. And if you think about it, you know, education and learning needs a stable, strong environment in order for that to happen well. Imagine trying to do NCA level three when you're going to four different schools in one year. Yeah, impossible. Really difficult. So that relationship is absolutely critical to completing that apprenticeship. And so what we're saying is, don't lose these people. Don't waste the learning they've got to date. Somehow keep them in the wider, wider construction ecosystem so you can, we can get them back when we need them and we're not so far behind the eight ball like we are every other recession when we leave it over to the market to figure it out because yeah. the market's not there to figure out apprentices. It's there to survive as a firm. So okay. we're promoting bringing forward some of the things that the vocational review of education uh, was all due and fast tracking those and looking at this quite differently. I think it's the COVID-19 situations uh, forcing many organisations to re rethink their business models, to pivot. And I guess what you've outlined there is that we've got really 
uh, four different entities involved in this. We've got BCITO as the training organisation. We've got the government as a as a provider and a, a setter of policy. We've got the employer and we've got the trainee, the apprentice. And every one of those uh, four elements needs to think a bit differently. So it might be that the employer, the business, the construction company owner needs to think about uh, not just about whether they can sustain the person right now, but what their business might look like in 12, 24 months time and what resources they have. It might require the trainees to think a bit differently. So in other aspects of education, you go and you get your education, you don't get any pay while you do that. So it might be that some of the trainees think about would I be prepared to keep working for my employer without pay or with a significantly reduced pay? And you know, I'm no legal expert here. I don't know whether um, that's, that's possible, but just that kind of change in thinking of going as someone in training, I'd like to maintain my training. It's, it, it keeps me closer to becoming a tradesperson. So maybe I, I, I have to take some short-term pain like everyone else's to help us keep going and then BCITO and government work together to see what we can do to help out both parties. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, during a boom, we always want more firms to train and only 10% of firms train at any one time. But during a recession, so the money follows the employer during a boom, the money needs to follow the employee or the apprentice during a recession because they're the ones that keep the training going, although there could still be support for firms. But if there's no work, you know, giving, giving a firm an apprentice or giving them five or 10 grand a year isn't going to make them busy. Um, it just might help for a few months and then you lose both. The government's lost its investment and the apprentice is gone anyway. So the money trail needs to follow where, where it's going to get the most traction. And in this case, it's with the apprentice. And if we can keep them in the system so that when they are uh, able to work again, they're not starting from scratch. They've actually built on what they've learned to date and everyone benefits. They're a lot more productive. They hit the ground running. And that might be through, you know, block courses or, you know, some parts of the set that can become a training hub. You know, we're already talking to different organisations about how that might be. And I think there's enough money in the system for that to be funded and worked through. It's just reallocation of it. It's not new money. I mean, because they will be an MSD burden. And yes. so why not ensure that they're not, well, if they are an MSD burden, they're getting something out of it by supplementing that further with other work or support but part of the conditions is you continue to train uh, and therefore you're you know you're waiting to be ready to be re-engaged full-time or even gradually as firms pick up their work you know workload going forward and you can transition them between work-based classroom-based digital whatever it might be uh, in a way that we all benefit but keeping that relationship's really important because that's the bit that that's the glue yes. that makes uh, an apprenticeship work yeah like it great thinking and BCITO becomes such an important conduit in making that happen because I assume you're having the discussions with government or intend to have those discussions with government and really be the conduit between employer trainee and, and government and it's the residential one that's most at risk because that's the one they've got least control over because you're relying on homeowners confidence in order to buy property and that's not likely to be the case and construction you know the biggest competition for the price of a building a new home is the price of an existing one and if, the, if they slide back in value construction becomes less attractive banks don't like to lend so we're likely to see that contraction there's a lot of talk about investing in infrastructure anything that we can do to invest uh, in construction to keep that pipeline of works a great idea but there aren't many roofers and tilers and plasterers and painting people in brick and block layers in infrastructure. It's good for employment. So if you're picking apples one day, you might be able to upskill quickly so you can shovel the next day, but it's unlikely to really have a big impact on that level four 
complicated training. Commercially, government can do a little bit there because they can build hospitals and schools and you know prisons and that sort of stuff, which is vertical construction. That helps, but they're only 20, 30% of the market. Uh, the rest is private. Uh, the malls, the shopping centres, the warehouses, the office blocks, the hotels, they're all private sector and they're likely to suffer uh, as well. So it really is that residential market that's important when it comes to getting that skill level up around the apprenticeship uh, that we deal with. Spot on. And we're, you know, post lockdown and you know, this uh, podcast might be going to air and we've actually moved out from level four to level three and hopefully rapidly down to level two and, and level one. Um, how do you see BCITO being able to support its uh, both employers and uh, trainees, uh, apprentices during, during those various levels? Yeah, I, I think the announcement today probably won't make a huge amount of difference on the psyche of individuals when it comes to the homeowner. Uh, it's fantastic that construction could get back to work sooner rather than later. We can get back to the sites, we can fix up those jobs that were closed out, we can start new ones that are still on the go, uh, and we can keep the industry moving and free up some cash, etc., keep those firms alive. But we're likely to see a bit of a drop-off maybe towards the end of the year as that forward work isn't there. So we think we may not necessarily see the big impact uh, on apprentice numbers until later on. We are currently not seeing sign-ups, obviously, because we can't sign new apprentices up. So we've got a bit of a window here to rethink how we will address this problem because it is coming. We just don't know the size of it, but it's not going to get easier, put it that way. So we can see it coming at us. It's simply the time we've got this time is a little bit longer than we might otherwise have had. Right. And give us an update, work on Rove. Just give us a recap. What is it and how can people utilise that? The first big milestone in Rove happened on the 1st of April when uh, all industry training organisations became transitional industry training organisations, which sets us up to be pulled apart. The New Zealand Institute of Skills and Technology was formally stood up, so they are up and running. Uh, all of the Polytechs became subsidiary companies of the NZIST on the first, and um, work is being done behind the scenes slowly on how to establish a construction and infrastructure workforce development council. So from the BCITO's perspective, there's about four ITOs need to be pulled apart and then re-put back together again in part to form this construction and infrastructure WDC. That's kind of more into less, but it's the delivery side that really interests me because that's where the deal's done on the ground. That's where the relationship is cast. Keeping that going is really important. And that's why this discussion we've had will help facilitate that again uh, even more. But if we're in a position where we move apprentices seamlessly between classroom, work-based, part-time, full-time, whatever it is, because we're part of that wider ecosystem of learning, is great. So we think that should be fast-tracked and put all the barriers aside that we currently have in that regard. So to me, the focus ought to go on the delivery side, not the setting up of the WDC. Most, well, that's got to continue and shouldn't be slowed down, we've got to turn the burner up on the other side of the ledger. Got it. And so from a uh, employer and a trainee perspective, it's like, keep doing what you're doing right now if you're in a position to, to do that. BCITO remains your front door into everything that you're doing. There's going to be a whole lot of work that happens behind the stage, back of stage to get things going. But at the moment, customer facing, if you like, keep doing what you're doing and you'll notify the members when, when changes uh, require. Correct. Correct. And if we can get these things in place over the next little while, by the time you come to say, oh, what am I going to do? We've got an answer for you or we've got an option for you rather than let them go and goodbye. Of course, we hope none of this happens. 
We hope the four weeks is simply a blip and we carry on, but I think that'll be pretty wishful thinking uh, when it comes to uh, the confidence of homeowners to go out and buy property. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right, but equally not all opportunity is going to, to disappear uh, and, and every market reset we've seen throughout history, there's always some organisations that thrive and do very well on the, on the post side of that because they are willing to pivot, they are willing to do things differently, they are willing to uh, challenge how they've done things previously. So there no doubt will be, uh, yes, some of your members that have a, a very challenging time, but also some that uh, can take this as a, as a way to succeed going forward. No, that's right. And if you look at the boom-bust cycle of construction, you know, I've been in property 40 years and uh, it's like a yo-yo. We're incredibly resilient as a sector, really. You wonder how you get on, but we are very, and you're dead right there, you know, something different will come out of this. But if you go back and look at those kind of boom bust cycles, every bounce is higher than the, you know, than than, than the bust. So when we do bounce, it'll be sharp because we're not building probably in the same numbers. The pent up demand for housing is still going to be there. We had record consents a month ago, you know, 38,000. Yes. They're sitting there. And so the longer we don't build, the greater that demand happens. So when the cork finally comes out of the bottle, it'll be even stronger and there'll be even more screams for it. So it's getting through this period that's really important so we don't lose the capacity that we've got. And even then it's struggling. So it'll yeah. be worse oh. if we don't if we well, don't do something different. Yeah. It, it felt like we know we got close to catching up the uh, pent up demand we've had from uh, you know the previous property cycle and obviously we were seeing consents rise and we were getting some improvement but didn't feel like we'd uh, caught up yet so no, we, were, know, we were still in backlog yeah yeah so i still think this is going to add to the backlog so uh no it may not be gold fields out there in terms of opportunity but there will still be plenty of demand to get things going i think if you're willing to go and uh, find it and, and you know sure as night follows day every recession is followed by a recovery so it's just Correct. how long is that gap? Correct. Um, so, Warwick, uh, thanks for your insights. Any uh, any other messaging you'd like to uh, send out to the Master Builders members uh, on this podcast? No, uh, it's, it's good to see you all virtually. Uh, my best uh, wishes to you all. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Master Builders and, um, you know, keep up the great work that you do. Fantastic, Warwick. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure.